1: Hey, guys, and welcome to Moms and Murder, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I am doing good and so happy to be back in 2019.
0: How are you? I'm good. Feeling about yeah. it? <laughs> What am I going to do? <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't turn back time. We're going forward. It's 2019. Luckily, we don't really write checks anymore, so it shouldn't be an issue till about June or July. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to remember this. So, yeah. And you're like on vacation, vacay, still coming to us from the great state of not Florida. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're having the time of your life. I'm very excited I am. for you. Yeah. Good great Christmas break. We had <laughs> yeah, a good time been, off. Yeah, it has. It's been
1: awesome. And my kids are getting to hit the slopes really for the first time. They did it a little bit last time we came, but they're doing much better this time. It's been so fun watching yeah. them learn how to ski. And my, my older son is snowboarding
0: and yeah, it's been a great time. That's super cool. But now that you said hit the slopes, I expect <laughs> you were going to say words like drummets a lot. <laughs> and thank you, everyone that told us what drummets are. We know. We've got it now. It's under control. Thank you so much for reaching out, every last one of you. <laughs> Just kidding. We appreciate it. But yeah, we're back. Let's do this. Mandy. Yay. Mandy has yes. a great, crazy, of course, we always say that, so really, it's like, white noise at this point whenever I say this, but yeah, it's a, I had never heard of this case specifically. Um, so this was a new one for me and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. So I actually chose this one
1: because I was kind of looking for a, like, since I'm up here where it's really, really cold in actual winter, I wanted a case that was like wintry. And so my husband actually suggested this case and so that it just kind of went from there. So I've just been working on it while I've been here and- It is very wintry, a very wintry story.
0: There you go. (laughs) Not necessarily family-friendly, I wouldn't say. (laughs) One of the more uh, not family-friendly stories, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So this is a little bit of an older case. The story actually takes place in the late 80s. I believe it was 1986. And uh, it involves Hel Crafts and her husband, Richard Crafts. So some people might recognize this, um, the a little bit of this story because it was actually one of the inspirations for the dark comedy murder movie Fargo and then Melissa you mentioned that there was a TV show Yeah also with that but I didn't I've never seen that so the I don't know
0: TV show is amazing the first two seasons it was on FX but it's the same people that did it so I love the movie but the shows the first two seasons of it are like the best seasons of TV. How have I not talked to you about this? It's so, so good. I have good. no idea. Yeah, you would love it. It's, it's really, 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 really good. Did I sell yeah. it enough for you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Hella
1: Lork-Nielsen was born on the 4th of July in 1947 in Denmark. She was an only child and grew up in a small Danish village. She was a very happy-go-lucky kid. She loved learning. She loved going to school, never really gave her parents much of a hard time. She was also very intelligent and learned French and English as a teenager and also just picked up German, Norwegian, and Sweden. So German, it seems like it'd be a hard
0: language just to... Pick up. I, I haven't even picked up English fully, yeah. <laughs> as per our drumette conversation. So yeah. I can't imagine just picking these other ones up.
1: Yeah. So she very was smart. very smart. Yeah. She was also very well liked among her classmates and continued to dazzle with her personality into adulthood. She went on to study abroad in England and eventually got a job as an au pair in France. And while living there, she got a job as a flight attendant, which really was perfect for her because she loved the thrill of exploring new places. She liked meeting new people. And honestly, I can't
0: really think of a better job if you like those things. I can. It is called yachting. I am two weeks into a (laughs) below deck marathon. (laughs) And the whole time I was reading this, I was like, it's like, it's like yachting, but in the sky. So I have quite a few references. I will try to so what is, use. So what is yachting? Yachting is people, oh, Mandy, there's a show called Below Deck on Bravo. <laughs> My husband calls it, quote, the worst show I have ever watched. And oh, it's, about pe- <laughs> <laughs> it's about people who live under the deck on yachts. I mean, they're not like they're not trolls they work (laughs) on the yacht and so it's about them like living you know uh working with these people who rent these charter these yachts and captain lee he just wants everyone to have a good charter but a lot of the deckhands and stuff they don't even know their afts it's it's a whole thing mandy i have become quite (laughs) a yachty i'm actually hating myself right now but Anyway, Did you just call yourself a yachty? I like am up for the yachty, <laughs> <laughs> for the troll person that lives under the yacht. That's that's. Where I'm from. <laughs> so anyway, but but the idea on with most of them is they love to travel, and so this ends up being a mode of you know being able to do that for them. So <laughs> same idea. Oh my gosh, my rabbit trails are intense tonight. <laughs> Keep going, Mandy. So, Hella loved her job as a flight attendant, and
1: eventually she applied to work for Pan Am, and she was selected as one of the eight out of 200 to get the position. She trained for this job in Miami while living in a motel near the airport. There was a lot of pilots and flight attendants that would also stay at this motel while they were on, you know, doing all this training. So, it was kind of like, I guess, in that um, flight community- it's very close knit and like you would just all hang out together a lot. So it wasn't really an uncommon thing for flight attendants to have like these casual romantic encounters with other airline employees or people in that circle, Um, especially pilots. I guess it's like a big, like a rumor that's not really a rumor because it's true. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Melissa. (laughs) I gotta go. (laughs) We're only like seven minutes into this. Okay. (laughs) So on May 24th, 1968, Hella met Richard Crafts while waiting at the motel for one of her flights. Richard was at the time a 31 year old with kind of an untidy appearance. He wasn't a very tall man, he was only about five foot eight, but he was just okay looking. But some women apparently were drawn to his whole entire thing that he had going on. I guess you could say he was like a bad boy, kind of, you know, some bad hair boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but he was basically just an average looking guy. And Hella was actually very pretty. And I would say probably out of his league, I saw pictures of her and pictures of him. And she was a very pretty woman. Like just, you know, exactly what you would think of a, a flight attendant in the 80s. She had the whole entire look.
0: We know looks do not matter, right? Totally. No, Let's get that absolutely. Out looks not. don't matter. Yeah. But you can look at somebody and say, wow, that person is gorgeous. Like she just had a naturally beautiful like her features were nice. That's like yeah. science. We can't help that. Yeah. Science was not as nice to him. She, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um so Richard actually had many girlfriends and almost all of them were within this airline community that I talked about a little bit ago and he would he always told elaborate stories about his past that may or may not have had really any truth to them at all such as that he worked for the CIA at one point but then he never could really explain what exactly he did or what position he held or anything like that. So it's like, okay, sure. Isn't the
0: first rule of CIA to never say you're in the CIA? Yeah. Like, I feel yeah, like exactly. That's, as soon as you say that, I'm like, well, you're definitely not. I yeah. mean, I think that's how these things work. <laughs> so Richard was
1: born in New York City on December 20th, 1937. He was one of three children. Uh, he was actually the only brother to two sisters – His father was a very successful New York businessman that later moved his family to the affluent community in uh, Connecticut called Darien. So Richard skated through high school and made an attempt at going to college, but eventually he decided that just was not, he was not about that college life. And he joined the Marines in 1956, which is where he learned all about the aviation uh, industry and became a pretty good helicopter pilot while he was in the military. He became officially certified as a pilot in the late 50s and was transferred to Korea and Japan with the military in 1958. And while he was away in the military, he was allegedly wounded during a mission and spent the next several years flying for Air America in the Far East before returning to the U.S. in the mid-60s. He held odd pilot jobs for a while and then landed a career with Eastern
0: Airlines, which at the time was one of the most busy airlines in the U.S., at that time, Richard met Hella in Miami. He was actually engaged to another woman, but he wasn't the type of guy to really let things like engagement rings and planning a wedding stand in his way of having other women, apparently. Hella and Richard continued to see each other on and off for several years, and Hella's friends made it known that they did not really like Richard and that her friends felt like she really could have. You know, her pick of any man that she really wanted. So even though the couple really fought very frequently and took long breaks from each other, they always ended up getting back together. Then in 1975, Hella became pregnant with Richard's baby, and the two married in November of that year in New Hampshire. Richard was later asked why he married Hella despite having such a rocky relationship. And he stated that, quote, Hella was pregnant at the time we were married. We knew she was pregnant. It was far too advanced for a doctor to perform an abortion and we decided to get married.
1: That's just such a sad I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't know. This
0: is such a sad thing to say. It's a sad about, statement to make.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: That it was, oh, this was the circumstance, so then we got right. married. That's like that's not what you look for in a storybook romance. The two began their family in Newtown, Connecticut. Richard bought them a ranch-style home, and they eventually welcomed two more children there. And so I'll do a very brief version of We Googled This City. Uh, Newtown, Connecticut is a town of about 27,000 people in Connecticut, and it's part of the greater Danbury metropolitan area. That means nothing to me. If the name of Newtown is familiar to you, it's likely due to the tragedy of Sandy Hook. So I looked outside of Newtown for some fun facts about the state of Connecticut and found this very shocking information. Connecticut is the home to the first hamburger in 1895, the Polaroid camera in 1934, and color television in 1948. I am beginning to think, Mandy, that I need to do a 23andMe to see if I am actually from the state of Connecticut. Yeah, (laughs) that's like all my favorite things. But obviously I'm kidding because I am clearly a Florida person. Um, But I will end it with this fun fact. The Game of Scrabble was developed in Newtown by James Bruno. I'm going to guess Bruno. B-R-U-N-O-T. Is that how you would say it? Bruno? Yeah. Bruno sounds good to me. And before I get all quixotic 76 points about Newtown and try to zymize 78 points this segment anymore, I will end it here. Can you even believe the chutzpah on me today? 77 points. <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm even allowed to do this
1: anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't either. <laughs> so now we have this new family, um, three children, these two parents that are, you know, working hard to provide for them. But at this point in Hella's life, she was really starting to miss her career. She wanted to get back in the air and. You know, attend flights. That's what she loved doing. And she was missing it. So she eventually hired her own au pair, a 19 year old named Dawn Marie Thomas, so that she could go back to her job. Another part of it also was that Richard being a pilot was always gone as well. So it was just a lot of the time it was just hella home with the kids. And I guess she just got sick and tired of sitting around and, you know, thought, well, maybe I want to go back to work and, you know, not be left here all the time. So that's what she chose to do. So when the two of them were actually both working, they were pulling in over $125,000 per year, which was really quite a bit of money in the 80s. It actually put them in the top 5% of earners at the time in the US. So even though they had all this money and they are both contributing financially to the household, Richard was the one who controlled all of the money in the family. And he used a lot of it on things that he liked to do didn't really clear these things with his wife, but one of them was gun collecting. And he had several shotguns, dozens of handguns in all different calibers. He had rifles. He had semi-automatics. He had crossbows, hand grenades, and thousands of rounds of ammunition for all of these uh, weapons. I didn't understand what a person, like an average person, needs a hand grenade for, but I guess you just collect those things for fun just to say you have them.
0: Well, on the Jersey Shore, you don't want grenades because grenades (laughs) (laughs) are not attractive. Yeah, I don't get it either, unless you're collecting them. Like, I mean, I've heard of people collecting like artifacts from war and stuff, like grenades like that, like Ron Swanson. But besides that, I don't. But like live hand grenades, I don't understand why you would need that. It seems like it would be more of a problem than it would be a cool thing you'd have on hand. Like, you'd more likely kill yourself than, you know show somebody something cool it just seems like an accident waiting to happen (laughs) yeah for sure
1: so Richard was obsessed with his collection and he spent hours cleaning and arranging his whole arsenal Um, he never missed a gun show or an opportunity to buy new weapons So even though the family appeared to have everything going for them on the outside, the parents both had really great jobs. They have these three kids, this nice place to live. Richard was hiding a different kind of secret from his friends and family and the rest of the world, and that was that he had a tendency to get physically abusive with Hella. She was frequently seen with bruises on her face and had told friends that she would never forgive Richard for the way that he had treated her during her pregnancies, Once the kids came along, Richard would just pack up his bags and take off for days at a time, leaving Hella to wonder whether he was off flying, like for work, or if he was just at another gun show, or if he was having an affair. She really did not know what he was up to. Since he controlled all the finances, he would tell Hella to go ahead and pay for the house expenses, but then he would just be off spending money kind of willy-nilly and buying a bunch of stuff that they did not even need. Apparently, their um, front yard of their house was just covered with broken down machines. There was like a backhoe in the yard, and the house was always under repair or in need of repairs, which kind of struck me as odd for them having as much money as they had. Right. I mean- You would think he would just say, just get the stuff fixed, you know. But in 1982, Richard took an unpaid job as a volunteer police officer in Newtown, which he took very, very, very seriously, even though he was not getting paid. He was kind of the... It's a power trip. Yeah, like I'm the new sheriff in town kind of attitude that he had. So years later, he was hired on as a real police officer in a neighboring town where he was paid a salary of $7 per hour, which was well under what he had been making as an airline pilot. The whole thing, everything that I read about him going into the police force was that he a lot of it he like took upon himself to do. So he paid for his own police training like in full, which I guess you can do that. I mean, I guess, doesn't everyone, I don't. I guess not. I guess if you go to school, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a good know. answer for this. Yeah. They made it sound like it was a weird thing, that he paid for his own police training. He even bought a Ford Crown Victoria, which was the same car as the state police were using, and paid for it to be outfitted, like with the decals and everything, to look like a police car. I don't understand why, though, because right. if he was a real police officer at that time, why would he need to do all of that was he- and not
0: just get, like, a police-issued car. Why did I think he was a part-time police officer? Wasn't he part-time? I think so, yeah. Maybe, but it was, like, a real like, paid position. Yeah, but maybe they were like, okay, you're part-time, so you don't get a car. And he was like, don't worry, I'll get a car, and I can right. be cool like you guys. Because <laughs> it doesn't make sense, because you'd think they would even say, like, hey, you can't make your car look like ours. Like, there has to be a law against, you know, making your car look like a police car. So maybe they just yeah. were like, whatever. I like whenever we speculate on things because we're going to get emails about what, yeah. what we got wrong here.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's fine. So throughout all of this, Richard maintained his old
0: ways of having affairs and seeing multiple women at one time. Hella suspected infidelity but apparently tolerated it to keep up with appearances or possibly because she was scared of him. She did tell her friends on numerous occasions that she had considered divorcing Richard and that she'd had enough. I saw on that, we watched the Forensic Files about this, and I saw where she had written her mom a letter, I think, in Denmark that was basically like, hey mom, how's it going? I want to divorce Richard. It's not going well. Hugs. Hella. Um, But she's like laying it out. Like she's being pretty vocal that she is wants to be done with him. And Hella discovered numerous phone calls on their phone bill to a long-distance number that she did not recognize and became convinced that he was having an ongoing affair and even suspected who she thought this other woman was. At this point, she's had enough, and she hires herself a prominent divorce attorney named Diane Anderson to discuss her options for moving forward with leaving Richard. This was in the fall of 1986. Before she went through with this divorce, though, she wanted to confirm that he was in fact having an affair. So Diane, her attorney, suggested that Hella could hire a PI to look into it for her and find the proof that she was seeking. So Hella hired a man named Keith Mayo for the job, and I'd like to point out Keith Mayo's uh, the writing on his door, like the Mayo Detective Agency. It was just the O was like a magnifying glass (laughs) and i was thinking like how great would it be to be a designer in the 80s they're like you're a detective it's a magnifying glass done pay me my money (laughs) so hella hired him and uh he it wasn't very long until he was able to provide her with you know photographs of richard with this other woman and so hella was obviously very upset to learn about her husband's affair although she had you know assumed it was going on to be confronted with that information had to be really difficult so armed with this new evidence hella planned to confront her husband and ask him for a divorce in the meantime she told several of her friends and co-workers that she was concerned about what what richard would actually do when she confronted him and she told multiple people that if something were to happen to her to not assume it was an accident which is a really strange thing to say but we've heard it before like you hear it a lot yeah we are going to tell you guys all about
1: the rest of the story after a quick break from this week's sponsors. This year, let's make health and wellness a top priority with the help of Carev's monthly vitamin service. Whether you are focused on having glowing skin, boosting your energy levels, getting more sleep, or generally being
0: healthier, care has you covered in 2019. care has a fun online quiz that asks you questions about your diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle choices. Best of all, it only takes about five minutes to find out your personal scientifically-backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. The quiz is super easy, and it's really a fun way to match what you need with your goals for your body.
1: Your personalized Care-of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs, great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle. Each day is its own individual pack, so it's easy to throw in your purse or bag to take it on the go. Plus, each pack comes with a fun quote to add a little more fun and flair
0: to taking your vitamins. A portion of every sale goes toward the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. Prenatal vitamins are so important to expectant mothers and babies, and we love being a part of of's commitment to helping expectant mothers in need. Take advantage of this month's special New Year offer. For 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Moms50. Again, for 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Moms50. Guys, we are back and excited to tell you all about our friends with Poshmark. You already know that with Poshmark, you can shop for millions of closets across America and buying and selling from Poshmark is super easy for both the buyer and the seller.
1: The holidays are over, which means some teenager just got a bunch of nice clothes from his grandma, but all he really wants to do is sell them for the newest Xbox game. Help a teen out. Buy his brand new name brand clothes from Poshmark at a steal of a deal, and he can get his new game, and you can get new clothes for your
0: kid. Everyone wins. My parents came down to visit over the holidays, and on one of my many, many strolls on Poshmark, I decided to check out the men's shirts for my dad. I stumbled upon a great shop where I found a few polos from Joseph A. Banks and Nike that I knew he would love. I made an offer on three shirts and received them in just a couple of days, and the seller even threw in a fourth shirt in the same size as a bonus. I have my eye on a cute pair of Steve Madden slingback
1: heels that were regularly priced at $75 for just $30 on Poshmark. Find deals for clothes, shoes, accessories for women, kids, and men for brands like Lucky, Gap, and Express. Listeners of Moms and Murder get $5 off your first purchase. Just enter the invite code MURDER5 when you sign up. That's invite code MURDER5. And now back to the episode. So, of course, Hella, we can see that she is definitely getting a little bit. Concerned about the state of her relationship with her husband. She's now told her coworkers and friends to be on the lookout for anything strange happening to her and that it would not be an accident if something did happen to her. At this point, Hella has filed for divorce. It was November 11th, 1986. And she actually chose her and her lawyer made the decision not to charge Richard with adultery due to concerns about their children and how they would handle the divorce and then also how the family as a whole would look within the community. So she opted for what they called a no fault divorce. Hella then contemplated when the best time would be to break the news to Richard. She expressed her concern of potential violent backlash to her attorney, as well as to her friends, as we said before. On the night of November 18th, 1986, Hella returned from attending a flight from Frankfurt. Hella and two other flight attendants, one of whom was Hella's good friend and neighbor, her name was Rita, they all drove to Newtown to drop Hella off at home. When they arrived, Hella said with a sigh, Richard's home. Before getting out of the car, Hella also mentioned that Dawn, the au pair, was working her shift at McDonald's that night, but would be home a little bit later on. And then she just said goodnight to her friends and gathered up her flight bag and everything and went inside of her house. This would actually be the last time that Hella was seen alive.
0: Early the next morning, Richard woke up the au pair at 6 a.m. and declared that he would be taking her and the children to his sister's home in Westport, Connecticut. He told Dawn, the au pair, that Hella had already left ahead of them and that they would meet her there. There had been a really bad winter storm in the middle of the night and that caused power outages in the area and made driving conditions really dangerous. When they arrived at Richard's sister's home, Hella was not there. Richard dropped Don and the kids off, according to Don, and then he left immediately and did not return until 7 p.m. that night. So that's a lot of time to just like randomly say, we're going to my sister's, Hella will be there, she's not there, and then doesn't come back till, you know, late that evening. Earlier that same day, Rita, who was one of the flight attendants who had dropped Hella off the night before, had tried to get in touch with her to check in on her after this big winter storm they had the previous night. Rita's home was without power, but she noticed that Hella's house had lights on. She tried calling several times that day but got no answer until finally Richard picked up the phone. He told Rita that Hella wasn't there and that he didn't know when she would return, but offered to let Rita and her husband use their shower since they didn't have any power. When Hella failed to return her call that night, Rita tried again the next morning but was greeted by Don on the other end of the line, who told her that Hella wasn't there and that she thought she must be flying. Obviously Rita at this point is confused because she knows Hella's just come off this really long flight from Frankfurt and that it had not been the mandatory 48 hour stand down period between flights, so there's no way she would be flying at this point. But John told her that Hella's flight flags were gone, so she assumed she must have just gone back on a flight. So Rita knows there's something's wrong and she remembers back to Hella saying that if anything happens to her, don't assume it was an accident. Later that afternoon, Richard called Rita and said that Hella had finally phoned from London and that she was en route to Denmark to be with her sick mother. Rita knew Hella's mother was not sick. Hella had talked to her on the phone three days before and never mentioned anything about a severe illness. So really, Rita knows a lot of what's going on in Hella's life, and so she's not gonna just bite at any old, you know, story that comes yeah. up. So Rita's concerned that Hella would have to miss the next few flights she had been scheduled to attend, and she knew that I guess with the airline they worked for, if you miss fle- three flights in a row, she'd be fired. And obviously, if she's trying to leave Richard and go through this divorce, being fired from her job would not be, you know, a great thing for her. So, Rita did ask Richard for Hella's mother's phone number so that she could call and check on her, and Richard gives her the number. On Saturday that week, Hella was supposed to attend a flight, but she failed to show up, and Rita once again told Richard that he needed to request leave for Hella or she would be at risk of losing her job. So, that would be a simple thing for him to do. Say she's visiting her sick mother, you know, please don't fire her. But of course, he does not bother to call on his wife's behalf. So Rita's really concerned at this point and she actually flies to Europe herself to try to find out what was going on with Hella, but was unable to get anywhere with that. Rita is a real hero. Like, that's a good yeah, friend. Yeah, she is. Yeah, no kidding. My goodness. I mean, I figure she has, like, frequent flyer miles or she can just fly. Yeah. But still, it's still a
1: trip. <laughs> Are you saying that you would not fly across the ocean to come check on me?
0: I would go to Europe for you. Sure, that's... <laughs> 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 but if you go to, like, South Florida, I'm not interested. Sorry. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> So she tries to call the number that Richard had given her, but um, she was unsure if she ever even reached the right person because she doesn't speak Danish. Uh, she learned later on that the number did not even belong to Hella's mother.
1: By the following Tuesday, um, which was a week after Rita had last seen or spoken to Hella, she began to feel this sense of dread and made a comment to her own husband that she was scared that Richard had actually done something to Hella. Of course, this is a very big accusation to make, but. At this point, her friend has been missing for a week and she has not been able to get in touch with her and has now gotten a couple of different stories from Richard. So you can kind of see where he would start looking a little bit suspicious at that point. So, days passed with no word from Hella, and her lawyer got word eventually that she was missing and decided to contact Keith Mayo, who was the PI that had uncovered Richard's affair um, to begin with. So, the two of them agreed that they should go to the police, and on December 1st, two weeks after Hella was last seen, that's what they did. But the police did not really take the case seriously right away. It was kind of one of those things you hear about a lot when it's an adult that is being reported missing. And then kind of the initial thought is, well, is it a crime or did this person just get tired of their life and take off on their own free will? And that's kind of... And she kind of has know. the resources
0: to be able to just fly. You know, it's... Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, of course, I I think it's a little bit more... They I think they look into it more now yeah. than they did back in the 80s, for sure. Like back in the 80s, yeah. If you just say like this woman... I haven't talked to her in a week. Like, the police are going to be like, okay. Like, you know, I they don't have time for that. Well, they that, don't have
0: a cell I, phone to check. They're just, you know, it's just phone calls. Like, communication was a lot different then. So now if somebody goes missing, has their cell phone pinged on a tower? No. Well, then there's probably a problem. You know, it's – something's right. gone wrong. So eventually the police did open an investigation.
1: Inside the couple's home, they noticed that the – uh, an area in the master bedroom and in the hallway had a carpet that had been cut out of it and replaced with new carpet, but the rest of the house did not have new carpet. There was also a strange black spot inside the bedroom door that had not been there previously, according to um, the au pair that lived in the house. So speaking of the au pair, she actually stated that she had asked Richard about the new carpet and he had refused to give her any explanation. He later would tell the police that he spilled kerosene on the rug what do you do with kerosene in your room I mean I guess I don't know lighting a lantern Melissa there's lots of reasonable explanations
0: (laughs) there's actually not a lot name one more (laughs) I can't okay thank you it's not the greatest excuse (laughs) yeah
1: So the au dawn also realized that a the large chest freezer that was in the garage of the craft's home was inexplicably missing. And not just any chest freezer. This was a brand new chest freezer that Richard had just purchased. They had the old one that was still down there in the basement. But the brand new one that he had just bought was now g- completely missing. So the fact that Richard had not reported his wife missing was also highly suspicious at this point now. It's been weeks, and of course, yeah. everyone is like, why are you acting like everything is fine when your wife is clearly missing? That def- doesn't make you look really good. Neither does the fact that he continued having multiple affairs in the time after Hella went missing, but he never once mentioned to any of his girlfriends that his wife had vanished or that he hadn't seen her. At some point, the police asked Richard to take a lie detector test, and... Shockingly, he passed with flying colors and the police believed he had absolutely nothing to do with Hella's disappearance. So they began digging a little bit deeper into what he had been up to in the days leading up to uh, Hella's disappearance and immediately following. And they started doing this by reviewing his credit card purchases and noticed several things that stood out to them. On November 13th, Richard bought a large-capacity freezer, which I mentioned earlier, and he picked up the freezer on November 17th, which just so happens to be the day before his wife goes missing. He also rented a large piece of machinery from a local rental place called Darien Rentals and paid $900 for whatever this rental was, which, of course, sent off alarm bells in the detective's minds because what would you rent that would cost that much money? You know, I've... Rented tools and stuff from Home Depot before, even like big things, you know. But $900 is a very expensive rental. So the police. Really wanted to find out what exactly he rented from there for that amount of money. On December 25th, 1986, detectives had at this point spent days getting a search warrant together for this home so that they could go back to the house and kind of poke around and find any evidence. And they were able to finally execute that search warrant on Christmas Day, as I just said. At the time that the police went into the home, Richard and the children were gone on uh, on vacation in Florida for the holidays. Uh, the police actually thought that would be a better time you know, better than ever time to go and search the house. So when they are, they actually enter the house through a window. And when they got inside, they noticed that the house was in complete disarray. There was dirty dishes, dirty clothes. There was mattresses on the living room floor, which they had wrote that in this article, like it was some big thing, but... I don't know if your kids ever try to do this. My kids love dragging mattresses out into the living room. I don't know what the appeal or fascination is, but mine do it all the time. So I hope that's not a standard by which we are measuring (laughs) like like disaster houses because please don't ever come to mine. Um, So they also found numerous guns at the home, and there was speculation that... Maybe Richard could have shot Hella and killed her, but they of course can't prove any of this. They they need to find proof. So on a search of the home, Dr. Henry Lee, a forensic expert, located more evidence um, that Hella had been actually fatally injured. He found tiny specks of blood splatter on the craft's mattress that were so small you could barely even see them there, as well as a larger, about six-inch long blood smear on the side of the mattress at the foot of the bed. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. The test confirmed that the blood was human blood and that it came from someone with type O positive blood type, which was exactly what Hella's blood type was. Even further testing proved that the blood was circulation blood and not menstrual blood. So this means you're bleeding from a different source of your body. They can t- I guess they can tell that, which I was kind of like... Wow. that's like... Well, it's Dr. Henry
0: Lee. That guy is like, whenever he comes on the scene, you're like, oh, wow, I take everything very seriously. Although I am convinced that man was born at like 50 years old. There's no way that man was ever a baby. Can you imagine him as a toddler? He was like, (laughs) no, (laughs) (laughs) always 50 for sure.
1: So several freshly washed bath towels from the house were tested with luminol and found to have previously had large amounts of blood on them that had been bleached off. A break in the case came when a highway worker named Joseph Hines called the police to report that he had seen something strange a few weeks back. At the time, it just seemed like a weird and insignificant, you know, thing. But now it seemed even more relevant than ever. He had seen Richard parked on the shore of Lake Zor with a wood chipper running at three o'clock in the morning. Which is a strange time to be
0: running a wood chipper on the side of the lake. I almost think it's more strange that this man can remember things from two weeks ago. It just seems...
1: <laughs> oh, really, Melissa? You're not going to remember seeing someone like in the middle of the night with a wood
0: chipper aimed at the lake? I feel like that's something you'd remember. Honestly, the things I forget would really just shock you. So no, it's- <laughs> you could commit a major crime in front of me. And if I don't tell on you right away, I'm never going to remember it happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the
1: whole thing with this man, Joseph, what was he doing out at 3 o'clock in the morning? The whole thing with him was that he was plowing the roads after the first snow of the season that year. So he actually remembered the date pretty distinctly. And he knew that it was a day or two after Hella went missing. So investigators went to the site to look for any evidence on the shoreline here on December 30th. They put divers in the water and found part of a deconstructed chainsaw, and when they pulled out the chainsaw, they realized that the serial numbers had been scratched off of all the parts, and there were strands of blonde hair entwined in the chain. At this point, the detectives are concerned that something very, very gruesome has happened. Everyone was kind of thinking it, but nobody really wanted to say it, and one of the detectives even made a comment that if, what, if he thought what had happened— Actually happened, then he would have to retire because it would just be such a gruesome thing, you know, to even have to
0: investigate. I was going to say that detective was so old; he was just looking for a reason to retire. He was.
1: <laughs> I think he would have retired like, for
0: whatever much it is. I'm done.
1: <laughs> On the bank of the river, they found clumps of wood chips. Scattered among them were small pieces of evidence that confirmed exactly what detectives feared, um, and we're going to talk about that after one more short break from this week's last sponsor. <laughs>
0: There are many things in life that I love, my family, cheese, every show on TLC, but there are a few things I truly hate, like feet, people that say LOL instead of laughing, and going to the store to try on bras. Thankfully, 3rd Love can help me with the last one. 3rd Love actually used millions of real women's measurements and took into account both breast size and shape to make a bra with an impeccable fit and incredible feel. 3rd Love also offers
1: more sizes than
0: most other brands.
1: They are the industry leader with 70 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. Third Love also offers quality in every stitch and uses premium fabric and expert design. I love that you can skip a trip to the store. You can find your fit in 60 seconds with Third Love's online fit finder. Order it and try it on at home without just guessing your size. Because face it, we've all been wearing the same three bras for the last eight years and the last thing we
0: want to do is have the nice lady at the store tell us to our face that we've been wearing the wrong size our entire life. So we received our new bras a few weeks ago and hands down, I swear on all the Diet Coke in the world, my 3rd Love bra is the most comfortable bra I have ever known and I know it will be for you too. The labels are tagless so there's no itching or irritations and the straps won't slip and 3rd Love uses ultra soft smoothing fabrics and lightweight, super thin memory foam cups. It's like a pillow for your ladies. Third Love also offers a 100%
1: fit guarantee. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. If you don't love their product, returns and exchanges are free and easy. But really you're going to love their
0: product because of the amazing time and care they have put into it. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com/murder now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com/murder for 15% off today. And now back to the show. So at this point, they are at this lake and they've uncovered the chainsaw and they're trying to figure out exactly what's gone on here. The detectives are carefully combing through the piles of leaves and wood chips to reveal a few very horrifying discoveries. They found in the rubbish a human thumb, a fingertip with a fingernail still attached, many strands of blonde hair, bone fragments, a dental crown tooth with a piece of jawbone still attached to it. A lacy material from undergarments, and really probably the most incriminating thing, they found a mailing label with Hella Kraft's name on it. Like literally a calling card <laughs> of who this yeah. is. Right. So DNA technology was not as advanced back in the 80s, so even though police believed these were human remains, they had a really difficult task ahead of them to prove who the remains belonged to. Without being able to prove that it was Hella, they wouldn't be able to convict Richard of her murder despite the mounting evidence against him. In total, they collected 2,660 strands of hair, 69 slivers of human bone, five droplets of human blood, two teeth, a piece of human skull, three ounces of human tissue, a portion of a finger, and one portion of a toenail. Forensic experts had their work cut out for them when it came to proving that these remains were hellas. But like, how easy would it be now? They'd be like, we need half of one of those things. And yeah, really yeah exactly. Yeah. Dr. Lee had suspicions that bone fragments had gone through the wood chipper, and to prove it, he had the body of a pig sent through a wood chipper. Would have appreciated them not showing that on television, I have to be honest. Yeah, that was extremely
1: gruesome. I did not like how they just had it lined up.
0: No, no they were just like, like and then are to show this, we're going to take a pig, and you're like, wait, 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 that's, <laughs> this is not a reenactment. <laughs> this is real. It was terrible. So the patterns on the bone fragment match the patterns on the one found on the riverbank confirming their hypothesis they could tell that the bone fragments came from someone with an o plus but blood type a fingernail found at the scene had red nail polish on it and when they tested the nail polish against a bottle of nail polish found in the craft's home it was a match investigators were able to obtain copies of hella's dental records which is what eventually proved that the remains belonged to hella a tooth found at the scene was confirmed to have come from her mouth On January 11th, police issued an arrest warrant for Richard, and at 9 p.m., a slew of officers showed up to arrest him. Richard obviously was not happy about this, and he told police to leave him alone and that he would take care of it in the morning. I love that. (laughs) Didn't the Golden State Killer or the alleged Golden State Killer do something like this? He, He was, like, cooking his... Dinner, right? Yeah. He he was like, I have a roast in the oven or yeah. whatever, <laughs> whatever he said. I'm sure it wasn't even going to be that good. It, it'll be fine. Yeah. Leave it there. So he eventually agreed to surrender after several hours of back and forth with the police. Didn't know you could negotiate with the police like this. I thought this was kind of like yeah. a one and done, like we're taking you now. So he was arrested and jailed with a bail of $750,000. The team of forensic experts and police investigators quickly worked out what they believed
1: was the probable scenario. Hella had been bludgeoned in her bedroom in the wee hours of November 19th. It's possible that she had tried to serve Richard with the divorce papers or told him that she was leaving him. In this case, Richard would not have been very happy because a divorce would have cost him a lot financially. And as we talked about before, he was in control of the family's finances and he enjoyed spending money on things that he wanted. Police believe that Richard then took Hella's body, wrapped in the bed linens, down to the garage and placed her in the new chest freezer that he had recently purchased and then went back upstairs to clean the crime scene before waking the nanny at 6 a.m. telling her they had to go to his sister's house. Once he dropped off the nanny and the kids, police believe that he drove to a secluded property he owned with Hella's frozen body and used the chainsaw to make smaller pieces of her remains and then put them back in the freezer. The next day, when it was dark and in the dead of night, he took Hella's remains to Lake Zor and put them through the wood chipper, along with pieces of wood. Hella Crafts was declared dead and murder charges were filed against Richard, despite the fact that no murder case in Connecticut history had ever gone to trial without a body. The evidence was heard by a jury in the summer of the following year. On June 23rd, the jury went out to debate. They tried to reach a verdict for two weeks. But one juror was holding out for a not guilty verdict. And eventually a mistrial had to be declared, which, of course, everybody was upset about. There was over 100 100 witnesses had testified. There was 650 exhibits and pieces of evidence that were shown over 53 days of trial. And so this mistrial was kind of a crushing blow to the prosecutors and investigators who had spent so much time working on this. And as we said, there was no body. So it was already hard enough for them to bring this case into the court. So Richard's second trial really was a pretty much a repeat of the first. There was all the same witnesses, all the same pieces of evidence. However, this time around, it only took eight hours for the jury to return a verdict. And Richard Crafts was found guilty on November 21st, 1989, almost three years to the day after Hella's murder. In January of 1990, Richard was sentenced to 99 years in state prison. And it was the first case in Connecticut where a conviction was achieved when there was no body to prove the victim had actually been murdered. Melissa mentioned that we watched a Forensic Files on this episode, but something else kind of cool is that um, this case was the very first, the pilot episode of Forensic Files. So you'll have to check that out. Yeah, and
0: Forensic Files is the perfect show to watch if you need a little bit of murder, but also like, to, like ambient. It's like ambient for your <laughs> brain. It just yeah. calms you down, and it's very slow, and... great i love forensic vials, but i use it like to go to sleep too which is says a lot about me as a person yeah i i really did not know mandy said this before i did not know that fargo was based you know a little bit based on this and i found that case so i mean that that movie is one of my absolute favorite movies um but i thought that was pretty interesting and how crazy that we're like it is fascinating like that that's the first case that um there was no body but there is all this evidence like you have to wonder did did this happen a lot before where there was this kind of evidence like there's I would say that's beyond that's circumstantial, a lot. right? Oh that's, yeah.
1: Absolutely. That other word.
0: It's that other word. Like it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I just want to edit myself right now. Um yeah, but I don't know. I felt like there was a lot and I don't know. I just never get these people's mindsets of murders. I guess that's, that's a good thing. I don't get why they do it. It doesn't make sense to me. So before we go, if you're new to our show, we have new listeners um, in the last couple of weeks. We do this little thing called Last thing Before We Go. It's a palate cleanser of sorts. It's just to get all the wood chip murder off your mind and laugh at us. So enjoy it, laugh at us, or turn it off totally your option, your call. So from our Facebook group, Allie D asked, what resolution do you think Melissa slash Mandy should keep? So basically, what do I think your New Year's resolution should be? And what do you think my New Year's resolution would be, should be? Mandy, what do you think? I know you're going to hate me, but I really,
1: (laughs) I really think you should resolve to not wear socks all the time. Do you know how good it feels to go barefoot? I feel like you're miss you're missing out on dirt and possible fungus. Have- I don't get it. How can you have your feet confined all the time? I would like one time to come to your house and see you walking no, around you barefoot.
0: W- Do you have a thing for feet? I hate feet so much. <laughs> I don't want to see my feet. I don't want to see your feet. I got of a- in a little bit of trouble on Twitter. Not really. I just made a joke about how I don't want to see people's feet, and then people made a point to tell me that some people really like seeing people's feet. I am oh. not in. Well, this it's is different. A- it's not. It's not like that
1: for me. I'm not asking you to do it so that I can just come over and look at your bare feet. <laughs> just, I'm saying this is for you. This is for you, not for me.
0: I want you to let your feet free. In 2009, I should free the toes. <laughs> in
1: 2019.
0: I had no problem saying 2009, but 2019 is going to be a I really am living in the past. To not wear socks—that's just so gross. And then, like, if your feet feel moist whenever they hit like tile and stuff, or like it's, ew. Why would maybe they be that's moist? the problem? Maybe my toes are moist. <laughs> probably because they're in socks all the time I mean you call it a problem I call it heaven I love it so much I'm wearing (laughs) socks right now it's just the best feeling in the world they're very confined oh also I think it's because I like wear like a size 11 or 10 really shoe but I think my feet get cramped a lot they did when I was pregnant did that happen to you I got like cramps no I don't like how you said that so judgy but it happened (laughs) all the time and I somehow feel like having the sock confine my toes it's I'm less likely to get a Charlie horse. It's a whole thing, Mandy. (laughs) I just shared way too much information about myself. Um, Mandy, let me see. What should I say for you? Oh, in 2019, I think you should take a chance on more shows that I direct you to watch. (laughs) There's no nice way to say it. Stop going to sleep watching The Office. Don't watch them out of order, which apparently you do. And that drives me insane when you've never seen it. And there's got to be new characters coming up and you have no idea what's going on. And then also, like, no more animals this year, Mandy. I think you really... (laughs) (laughs) I think you got a good thing going on over there. I won't tell people about the text messages I get when the animals are not going so well. Uh, (laughs) My favorite... I love all my babies. You have great ones. I love that every time I see your chickens, I'm like, I like that one. I don't like that one. And it's always – I never bother to learn their names. But every time I'm super excited, Naked Neck Nikki, that's the greatest name. Yeah. (laughs) I want animals just to make cool names for them. That's genius. Yeah.
1: I know. I love naming animals, Melissa.
0: Okay, write them in a notebook and just (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> you don't have to bring more animals home every time you have a good idea. I'm just kidding. You have a lovely little farm. Get as many animals as you want. I'm just kidding. Don't do that.
1: I know. I'm probably not gonna get any more animals this year, sadly. My husband won't let yeah. me. He said I have to wait until we have less well, animals. How do you get less animals? Well, they get old and they move on to animal heaven.
0: <laughs> That pasture in the sky. <laughs> yes. Oh goodness. Well, I hope that does not happen. So thank you guys for listening. We're back next week. We're back to weekly episodes. Yay.
1: We did it. Yay. And I have some really good ones coming up. So I'm
0: excited. (laughs) I I love just (laughs) leaving you out there to see how you're going to end it. (laughs) This is my favorite thing ever. I've missed this, Mandy. I've really missed this. I know. It's great yes. to be back. So we will talk to you guys next week. Uh you can find us on social media, you know, wherever you look, moms and murder. And patreon.com slash moms murder podcast. We have we'll have a new episode up this month. Don't have an idea yet, but yes. it'll be good. It'll I do. Is it the one do. you told me? About? I do,
1: I do, I do. I really want to do it. Okay. Yeah. Hernandez. Okay, we can do it. Let's talk about that Let's on do Patreon. It.
0: And if you haven't already heard, we did the story of Brittany Murphy's death uh, last month with Kim from People Are Wild. And that was really good, full of stupid references that you don't want to miss. Or maybe you do, but don't. OK, we will be back next week. And we'll talk to you guys then. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode.